Hello and welcome back to Brits One Flix, your monthly movie review podcast. We're at random, we choose a movie to dissect, discuss and deliberate over any values that it may have. I'm your host Graham, and with me as always is... Brian Lomax from Brian Lomax Movie Talk. And this month it was my choice and I chose Francis Ford Coppola's adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Main reason I chose this one, Brian, is because I had the Blu-ray sitting on the shelf for the longest while and I just needed an excuse to force me to throw this thing on. Yeah. As always, we kind of discuss our history with the movie, so for yourself, what's your history with this film? I just remember the hype for this. Um, I didn't go to see it at the cinema. Uh, I was too young, obviously. I think I was 12 when this came out. This was 1992, so... Yeah, but the hype for this was just insane. Um I mean, the, the first time I remember hype for a film, like marketing and trading cards, figures, stickers, mm-hmm. books, all that stuff, was Batman, the 1989 Tim Burton Batman. But I was a bit too young to kind of get caught up with it. Uh, so the next time that kind of happened was, well, Batman Returns, but that was the same year as this film. And so 92 was when I really did become aware of the whole marketing machine that was behind movies. Um, and, yeah, so so while I didn't get to see this until it came out on video, I was definitely aware of it because there was there was the song that they, they were playing on the radio a lot, the Annie Lennox song, which I actually quite like. Um, and, yeah, there was just, there was just little programs making of documentaries and behind the scenes that kind of thing on tv a lot um and trailer 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 just being shown everywhere so yeah i I remember the hype and then a couple of years later probably 95 that's when i finally got to see it on video um and at the time really loved it Uh, i watched it with my mum and dad and my brothers that was one where the whole family was there so we literally just all crammed into our living room watching this film and really enjoyed it. Uh, a few uncomfortable moments, i got to say, when you're watching it as a 15-year-old boy with your parents, but I'm sure they glossed over that with a, a few uh, random coughs and whatnot. Um, t- time to go make a, make a brew, put the kettle on and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I remember liking it quite a lot. And I, I've seen it a few times since then. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think I watched it, and I actually didn't like it as much as I remember. Um, but like I said, I've, I've watched it again just this week in preparation for this. So we will see if my opinion has changed once again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of the main reasons I wanted to watch it is because I can't <clears throat> really remember much about this. I know I saw it in the 90s. I didn't see it in the cinema because, much like yourself, I was too young to see it at that point. Mm. I remember a lot of chatter about it, people talking about it. I remember a lot of vile coming Keanu Reeves' way because of his performance. This seemed to be a standout comment. Um, Mm. But other than that, my memory seemed to be really blank of anything in the movie. I knew Anthony Hopkins was in it. I knew Gary Oldman was in it as Dracula. And, of course, Francis Ford Coppola directed it. Other Mm. than that... I know I'd seen it once or twice, and I couldn't remember a single thing about this movie. <laughs> Which is part of the reason that I chose to, to stick it on and watch it. Mm. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, even thinking about it now, I can't, 
I can't think of any of the marketing. I'd forgotten about the song until you mentioned that there. Um, and it's not really a movie that gets talked about much these days. No, it seems to have just died a death. And given <coughs> given how big the marketing was for this and just the fact that you, you just saw it everywhere on billboards and whatnot, um, I mean, we take that for granted now because all the... All big Hollywood stu- you know, studio films do that, but back then it, it seemed, well, to me at any rate, at that age, it seemed a bit out of the ordinary. Um, so, yeah, given just how big it was at the time, it does seem to be one of those films that has died a death. No one, as you say, talks about it. Mm. So, Brian, do you have a synopsis for us? I do indeed. Quite a long one, this one, um, but let's get into it. Count Dracula, the Prince of Wallachia, played by Gary Oldman, spends his days vanquishing the Turkish enemies of the Catholic Church upon the battlefield. But when his enemies trick his true love, Elisabetta, into believing that he has died in battle, she throws herself to her death. But as suicide is considered a mortal sin in the eyes of the Catholic priests, they refuse to give her a proper blessing. Instead, telling Dracula that she is cursed to spend eternity in hell. Dracula, overcome with grief, curses God and renounces his faith, presumably giving his soul to the devil. The darkness that consumes him not only allows him the power to turn into multiple animal forms, but also grants him eternal life, with the condition that he must feed on human blood. Several hundred years later, the rather reclusive Count Dracula receives a visit from Jonathan Harker, played here by Keanu Reeves, who is there to help arrange for the purchase of several London properties for the Count. But when Dracula sees a photo of Harker's fiancée, Mina, played by Winona Ryder, he believes her to be the reincarnated soul of his dead love, Elisabetta. He imprisons Harker and sets sail for England in an effort to seduce Mina. It's up to Jonathan to break free and stop Dracula, with the help of Anthony Hopkins' Van Helsing, before his fiancée is lost to the same darkness that has consumed the Transylvanian prince for so many centuries. Brilliant. Well done, Brian. So there's quite a lot I want to talk about when it gets to this movie, so... We'll just briefly run through the things I want to touch on, hopefully we'll get to them all. Um, we've got the costume design in it, we've got the look of the movie, I want to touch on the casting if possible as well. Um, but the, the first one I think I really want to touch on is the, the- theatrical element of the movie. It, it is very theatrical, like, and I, I mean that in a way that everything seems staged and playful. It, it's on sets rather than... Mm. Um, out in practical locations, uh, it's unusual colours and designs within the set itself to make certain things pop. It's it's an unusual looking movie. Yeah, if you if you look at the battle scenes at the beginning, it's almost like shadow puppets. Oh, definitely. Because you, you know we we see uh, Gary Oldman's character. Uh, we 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 know what he looks like before he goes off to battle, but then we see the battle. But the battle plays just on this red back background um, with Gary Oldman's character in shadow and all the other characters in shadow. There's a rather brutal moment where he spears this guy through the stomach and then kind of picks him up and the guy slides down the spike. But, like I say, it kind of... Th- there's a certain beauty to it because it does 
feel very much like shadow puppet theatre. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the, the rest of the staging of it, the sets, they feel like you're more at a theatre show rather than a cinema show. But that isn't to say that it isn't cinematic. It is still very cinematic, I feel. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, like that scene you said at the start, that it's very bold choices in the use of uh, shadows and, and the reds, but it does that all the way through the movie, where it, it, mm. it's, it suddenly just changes colours mid-scene. There's a scene where uh, Lucy and um, Mina are out in the garden and suddenly a storm rolls in, and the colours change to red and blues, and it's, it's mm. you can almost see the light guy working, try to change it as quick as he can to make this effect. <laughs> so you, there's no pretense about trying to make this very realistic. It is a show. Yeah, it's, it's very expressionistic. It's it's almost like the colour palette mm-hmm. and just the, the way things are done are, are there to evoke a certain mood more than, more than any kind of realistic setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, like... One of the things I noticed as well is with Renfield. So mm-hmm. you've got this <coughs> this guy who was the original man who went to do what John Jonathan Harker has gone to do, uh, but he came back uh, seemingly insane. The man had lost his mind, and he's now in a mental asylum being played by Tom Waits, of all people, um, one of the inspirations for Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah... One of the things I noticed is that whenever we see this guy, or most of the times we see this guy, except when towards the end he kind of has a change of mind and it it it, it becomes apparent that he's no longer insane. He's actually he, he he knows what he's talking about. What he's saying is true, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But when we don't know that that is true, when he just looks like a mental patient. He's filmed in a lot of Dutch angles, so the, the the camera is always slightly tilted when we're looking at him. Or it they use kind of fish eye, all not quite fish eye lenses, but kind of very wide angle lenses that distort the perspective. So that is very expressionistic of this character. So whenever we're looking at him, we feel slightly off kilter. We we feel slightly insane, and it reflects that character in a really good way. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of top-down angles as well, like, obviously, mm. as if somebody's watching them yeah. from a grander position. Yeah. Which, obviously, there is throughout the movie. You've got Dracula's obviously looking over them. But you've got a lot of things with lighting in this movie as well, with the play of shadows, especially whenever mm. Dracula's on the scene, his shadow's doing something completely different from his body. <laughs> it's a terrific <laughs> image to see. Just as you said that, then I literally looked at my note that just said Gary Oldman's shadow moves independently from his body, and it is—it's just brilliant. Um, It—it's very comedic in some sense, but it's also really sinister. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you see what his—it's almost like the shadow reflects what's going on in his head. So while he can while he can mask what he's feeling with his words and whatnot, he can't quite hide what he's feeling. With his shadow, his, his shadow is just going to do whatever it wants, regardless of of what he's but, thinking. And, and they use that quite a lot in the movie to sort of portray a mood as well, and and for misdirection, at certain scenes it will focus on a character and the shadow in the background, um, mm. and then all of a sudden Dracula appears at the other side of the screen, where you weren't mm. expecting him because his shadow's on the left, he walks in from the right. <clears throat> when he is stalking somebody or he's at a party and he walks in 
his whole shadow fills the room and engulfs it into sort of darkness for a brief moment. It's mm. a very playful nature with the shadows, and it's something that I've not really seen done in any other kind of movie to this extent. But that's mm. part of the theatricality of the the, the piece. Um, what about some of the casting choices? Let's look at the obvious one: Gary Oldman as Dracula. Absolutely brilliant. Just love him in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I love Gary Oldman. Period. He's one of my favourite actors. But um, this this is one of the first films I think I saw him in. One of the first films that I took notice of him in. Um, yeah, outstanding performance. Mm-hmm. And he has to portray. Dracula at sev- several kind of periods. You, you obviously have him mm. at the start when he's still human and fighting the wars, and then when he's the old guy, and then when he's the sort of young, younger version uh, in mm. London as well. He has these different yeah. dualities as, as well. And then there's this really gleeful side that he has to play out as the old Dracula, who's as if he's puppeteering everything and everything's mm. just a game for him and he has that maniacal laugh that he adds in that yeah. really is over the top but it fits in here 100% perfectly yeah it, it, it's absolutely brilliant he's, he's having to juggle a lot of balls in the air with, with this role um, and he can be I, I think in this he's, he's a very magnetic presence like you can understand the attraction and like Gary Oldman's never really been known as a heartthrob, you know, he's not that actor. He's not Brad Pitt in mm. Interview with a Vampire. Um, yet there's something about him that is quite magnetic. You can understand a woman falling for his younger self in this. And then, <clears throat> as you say, he can be really sinister. He can be quite creepy. Uh, there's something very off-putting about him at times. Um, uh, and th- and then you've got, like you say, the gleeful side. He he can be funny. He can be quite amusing. Um, do there's a couple of times where he does get a few laughs out of me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think particularly when I think of that gleeful laugh, I'm thinking of the scene where um, Dragon has <coughs> just walked in on the three women attacking Keanu's uh, Jonathan Harker, and he mm-hmm. kind of scares them away. Yeah. But he and he gives the baby to the the, the three women, and it's a yeah. kind of horrific idea. <clears throat> and then as uh, Harker screams, he just lets out this playful laugh. That's where he, that's where he puts his hands together, yeah. isn't it? And, and just yeah, Mr. Kinda, Burns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, proper Mr. Burns style. He even looks old and craggly like Mr. Mm. Burns, so definitely. Yeah. So what about Keanu Reeves as Harker? I, I, he, he's not good. I, I, I can't say he's good, but... I don't think he he's deserving of the venom that Absolutely maybe not. some people have thrown at him. Um, I think considering he's got to do a British accent, he he does pretty well actually. Um, you know, I I buy him as a bit of a, a stiff kind of upper crust Brit. He he does it. He's, he suffices. I do think they could have cast better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, it's it's that whole star quality thing. They were going for someone who was, you know, the the new star on the block. I mean, he hadn't had his you know speed moment at this point, but he had had Point Break. He was a known, you know, he was a known action kind of heartthrob type char- character actor. If yeah. you want to call him that. I'd be but, curious to see who else was in running for the role. Um, mm. I mean, you got to imagine Johnny Depp was probably. Yeah, in contention, you would imagine. 
Um, I, I think he does fine in the role. His accent I've got no problem with, and he is mm. a bit stiff and wooden, but I think that's partly to do with the character, and the character's yeah. not extremely well written, so it's hard to do something with that character. And then when you're playing <laughs> offset Gary Oldman, who is having the time of his life with <laughs> Dracula, mm. it's hard to compare against that kind of performance when you're supposed to be a mm. stiff, uptight Englishman. And he does some things pretty well, actually. Like, there's... <clears throat> a few moments like when when uh, Gary Oldman's Dracula is playing with him when he's like touches him on the shoulder and then he turns you know like he's not expecting it because he's not seen him in the mirror mm-hmm. so he's looking in the mirror he can't see anyone behind him and then the shoulder comes and touches him on the shoulder like he gives some nice reactions there like that kind of make me laugh a bit but not in the wrong way they mm-hmm. they they're designed to make you laugh you know and a, a part of that humor that comes from Gary Oldman's character and Gary Oldman's performance. Part of it is down to Keanu Reeves. Um, you know, like I say, I just—he's not great. I, I wouldn't recommend this as a, an amazing performance, but no. he doesn't embarrass himself, and it's, it's like I say, he's not—he's not worth the venom that gets thrown at him. No, absolutely not. There is one performance in the movie that I think sticks out as being not that great and should have been changed by somebody else and that's been on a writer's character I don't think she was particularly good yeah I I, I kind of agree with you um, I don't remember her being that bad to yeah. be honest but watching it this time around I don't buy any of the love stuff between her and Dracula oh, the thing is, is it comes I, on just like out of nowhere straight away mm, just, yeah, yeah 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 I, I like I I can buy the attraction I can buy why um, somebody would go for Oldman's character in this in this guise, but Winona Ryder doesn't do a very good job of selling it. And I like Winona Ryder. There's mm-hmm. uh, I, there's quite a few performances I've seen her in where she's been excellent. I mean, I recently watched The Crucible, and I thought she was fantastic in that. Mm. Uh, but yeah, in this, it was just I I, I could have had more. I must yeah. say, I, I feel um, as if she does okay up until the part where she's supposed to just instantly fall in love with Dracula, and I just feel from mm. then onwards it just goes off of the rails and she doesn't have the ability to, to keep it on track at that point. Mm. Yeah. I, I I think she has the ability, but Coppola yeah. hasn't pulled it out of her, not oh, here. Absolutely. And, um. and what about the great counterpoint to Dracula himself, Van Helsing, with uh, oh. Anthony Hopkins? I love Anthony Hopkins in this. I love his bluntness. Yes. I love that he just... He just doesn't care. He just comes out with some of the most uh, horrible things, but he's he's so gleeful about it as well. He's he's almost the f- the flip side. He's, he's a perfect kind of nemesis to Dracula because in many ways he's like Dracula. Um, yeah, I mean he's, he's kind of like it doesn't take any kind of pleasure in what he's doing. There is a certain satisfaction, but it's very matter of fact that when he's sitting with Lucy. And Harker, and she's like, um, oh, sorry, when she's sitting with Mina and Jonathan, mm-hmm. and um, Mina asks, did, did Lucy die in pain or whatever? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, and then, but when she, it says that afterwards we have to chop off her head and cut out her heart, or something <laughs> along that line. And he's just, he's, he's still eating while he's saying this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah, it's just, it's just, no, no, I just want to cut off her head and take out her heart. Yeah, it, it just, um, 
Oh, sorry, I, I just saw another note then. From a, I wrote down a couple of quotes straight after one another, but um, but yeah, uh, his, his delivery is fantastic, and um, I also noticed a couple of moments in this where he goes full lector, right? Like, yeah, there's, there's moments where he says some lines, and you're like, that that's a that's a carryover from Hannibal Lecter. Because, like, I mean, this was like a year after Silence of the Lambs, wasn't it? Lambs was 91, yeah. this was 92. So it does feel like there's there's still a little bit of Lecter in him at this point. Um, just a few few moments where you see it. He can't quite shake it off. But, mm-hmm. but I think he's a great counterpoint to Gary Oldman because Gary Oldman's just eating up the screen whenever he's on it. You know, and he's he's almost threatening to just steamroll the movie. His performance is that good, and then you've got Van Helsing appears, and it's an hour into the movie that he appears, mm. and and it kind of balances it out a little bit because you've got these two great guys just doing terrific jobs. Yeah, I mean, the the film feels in many ways like the old Hammer horror films as well. Now, I'm sure like you die hard Hammer fans would argue the case against it, but. It has that gothic quality that those Hammer films had. You know, you think of these scenes with the horses mm-hmm. on the cliff edges and and Dracula's castle. They 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 wouldn't be too far out of place in a, in a Christopher Lee Dracula film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like the the look that that gives. Uh, it does it because because the first horror films I ever watched were those Hammer horror films, were the yeah. Dracula films. So. Part of the fun of this film for me was that it did take me back to those early childhood memories of watching Christopher Lee as Dracula. Mm-hmm. And, and what about the movie's um, weird sensibilities by by using some of the, the strange imagery? Thinking back to the scene where uh, Harker's uh, on the bed with the three vampire women. Monica Bellucci, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I was really surprised. Those those three. I remember the three vampire women, and then that one comes up, and it's Monica Bellucci, and I'm like, "What?" So yeah, um, and, and it starts it starts off like a typical sort of kind of romantic scene almost before it just takes mm. this vicious turn, and they're they're biting into him, and it doesn't look neat or clean. It's, no. it's rough. It's bloody. It's vicious, and then obviously when Dracula appears himself, and they start to like scuttle away, and two of them yeah. are kind of. Joined almost. They're joined, yeah, and it's like they're like a spider, aren't they? They mm. just kind of, there's some really weird stuff going on in that scene, but it's almost like a vision of hell. Yeah, um, you feel like Harker is trapped in hell at that point, um, but really well done, I gotta say, from a visual standpoint, and it and it does it does creep me out. There's mm. some wacky stuff going on that kind of ju- it's just not quite right. So. Mm. Like, I, I find with horror, some of the best horror stuff is the stuff that doesn't go all out in the makeup and, and, and things like that and really trying to be otherworldly. But when you just do something that's slightly off kilter, like that moment you spoke of when they're joined, when those two women are joined together, it's literally like, it's almost blink and you miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, but because that image has just kind of jumped into your mind, you're then searching the shadows to see to see where it's gone, and, and it really does add to the sense of just how creepy that castle is, and and what situation Harker is in right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've also got Dracula <clears throat> just 
scuttling about the walls, <laughs> you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> upside down crawling about, it's freaky. And then there's that one part later on in London where you've got Lucy, who's in the trance, and yeah. she gets drawn out, and uh, Mina follows her to find her with the wolf creature. Mm. Yeah. It's just odd. I, I like the whole attack scene on the house, actually, when... Uh, <coughs> I mean, there's, there's times in this film when Dracula himself feels more like a werewolf than a vampire. Mm. Um, there's, there's, there's a few times when he, he turns into a wolf and we have this kind of wolf's eye perspective as, as Dracula's going into this house and he's taking out the guards because he's trying to get to Lucy. Um, and there's, there's a lot of jittery editing that, that's quite effective as well, like... Mm -hmm. If I saw that stuff in a student film, it'd look really hokey, but uh, Coppola uses it to, to great effect, I think, in this film. It's almost akin to the, the demon in Evil Dead. Mm, the yeah. camera has a, a very realistic presence, the way it kind of shapes and moves, its speed, that unnatural nature about it. It's obviously ramped up, but um, it just looks weird. Yeah, definitely. Um Lucy's transformation as well. Yeah. I really, really liked Lucy's transformation. Uh, it's quite entertaining and in more of a visceral way than the Hammer stuff. Like your, your Hammer horror stuff was kind of like you know, they'd get bitten in the neck in one scene and then in the next scene they'd kind of slowly rise and whatever and, and slink off into the night. Mm -hmm. This one is a lot more chaotic, uh, a lot more visceral, as I say. Um, and she, she's she's kind of she gets super horny basically she's uh she's trying to come on to every guy in the room and it's like um but it's almost like she's in heat she's like an animal in heat mm -hmm. um but yeah really really well done i think yeah and when she finally does get turned near the end it's by a wolf the wolf dracula mm. and a really horrific scene just it's just yeah. going into her neck yeah, mm. there's nothing romantic or um, anything else about it it's vicious yeah, it's it's not sensual in the in the way we've come to think of no. with vampires. No, no. there's no romanticism here. <laughs> it's, no. it's animalistic and it's bloody. Yeah, um, but I I absolutely love that scene in which she comes back as the the, the full on vampire when they yeah. go to kill her. So they go to chop off her head, and it's really creepy as well. It's the way it's shot, the way it's lit, the way they're using this kind of almost like a slow motion movement to it. I don't know if they shot it at a different frame rate or whatever, but she comes down those stairs and she's got this child yeah. in hand. She's holding this child's hand and you're just like, you know what she's intending for that child, but she's not done it yet. Um, and you're just thinking, man, that that poor child is, is just being led to its death. Um but that whole scene when they when they go after her and and she backs up into the coffin and it's it's almost like they've shot it and then they reverse the yeah. footage but it doesn't look hokey it looks unearthly it just looks like from yeah from some other realm uh, it, it's really creepy really effective yeah yeah it's, it's one of my favourite scenes in the movie as well what about the costume design in this thing? Because I think it's it's pretty marvellous. And I read something after the fact that said that they put a quite a lot of the budget, like an unusually large amount of the budget, mm. into the, the costume design. I, I, I can imagine, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you see it in the, the items that they're wearing, especially the dresses that the women have, uh, the various costumes that Dracula's wearing. 
it does kind of jump out at you. It's, it's not cheap and tacky. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this won an Oscar. To be honest, for the it costumes, did. I, it did. Right, okay, yeah, <laughs> that 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 doesn't surprise me at all. To be honest, I mean, right from the opening scene, you see Dracula in in his. Uh, in his suit of armour, really impressive-looking suit of armour, um, and then his his long red cloak stuff. I mean, like, he goes through some serious costume changes, and then yeah. you've got, obviously... I mean, this is more of a makeup kind of thing, but it all comes into the whole makeup costume mm -hmm. department. The the moment when he turns into this giant bat... Uh, yeah. They all they all come into the room. They all burst into the room, and he turns into this huge bat. And I've got to say, if, if they ever did the Batman villain, Man Bat, in one of the in one of the Batman movies, I would love to see them make him look like that mm. because that that is some seriously impressive makeup job. Even today, um, I, I think of when I think about like proper monsters and impressive makeup jobs in in cinema there's a few that i can think of that, that instantly come to mind and tim curry in legend is one of them mm -hmm. and gary oldman here in this scene is also one of them i i always love this scene just because of that moment when he when he turns into this huge bat it's really impressive in the movie it emphasizes red all the way through as well you know from uh, <coughs> oldman's uh, armour at the start of the movie from that red and black scene as he's impaling people to him watching over uh, Lucy with the, the red sky at night and it's his eyes superimposed over the image or when Lucy's going out to the garden she's got that red sort of night dress on and, and even when old in London he's got the red tinted spectacles that they really use red in almost every scene all the way through it and we know it kind of symbolises the blood as well the yeah, well, well, it, well, it symbolises life, doesn't it? I mean, um, Francis Ford Coppola was ve it was very keen to to keep in the religious element to mm. the story. He's, you know, the, the blood symbolises life, um, and that's what that, that's what Dracula takes. He takes life from other people to give himself life, um, mm. and you know, we, we talk about. Uh, if you want to get into like religious stuff, which I'm, I know you love doing, <laughs> it's uh, you know you look at um, you look at it from a biblical standpoint. You talk about the you know the blood of the lamb. You talk about mm. the uh, you know the, the drinking of the blood um, to, uh, for, the, for the forgiveness of, of sins. Sorry, the, the uh, you know the Jesus blood spilt for, for the forgiveness of sins and, and all that. Um, you talk about communion and things. But uh, yes, that's a, that's a theme that runs throughout the film, and th there's quite a few lines, you know, that really kind of hammer that home. I think when certainly when you you've got that scene we just talked about, in which they're kind of getting Lucy back into the coffin. You know, she's just turned into a vampire, and Van Helsing holds up the crucifix. Obviously, right there, you got the religious sim symbology. Um, and uh, Dracula says, we are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So he keeps hammering that into her until she kind of goes back in the coffin. So the, the, the whole battle of good versus evil in this film, it definitely plays out on a religious 
canvas, so to speak. Um, you know, the, the, the whole reason that Dracula is in the state that he's in is because he's abandoned his faith. He's cursed God. He essentially stabs God in the eye at the beginning of the film mm. with his sword when he, when he stabs the crucifix. And that's when all this blood just comes pouring out. So, yeah, red... Definitely the predominant colour of the film. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the religion element is right in it at the, at the start, like you said, and it's played all the way through, and that's where the final scene takes place as well. Mm. You know, when he's at, at the cross again. Now, if the movie has a problem at all, I think it's in the final third and some of that chase sequence that happens near the end. Now, it is exciting to a certain extent, but the problem I sort of have is this part where they're hunting down Dracula and they stab him, they injure him. Mm. And then they all just seem to go, no, that, that's enough. And kind of mm. step back and it starts to feel very written. And at that point, I didn't know what Mina was going to do. You mm. know, for, for all I knew, she was taking him into that house to sort of fix him, get him back on his feet type of thing. It just felt odd to me. I don't know if I, I truly liked that ending to the movie. Because because you I see you, I, you see the other ones where they're saying that he has to be beheaded and he has to have <coughs> the heart cut out. Mm-hmm. Now he's obviously mortally injured; his heart's been injured. But why does he want to die at that point? I I just I think that it's more that he he's come to terms with um with who he is. And he, I, I don't think he he wants to be that anymore. I think he's found... Because, I mean, this is the, the romantic element, I guess. Um, I mean, this this isn't in the book. You know, this, the, all the, rom- the, the romance stuff in which Dracula kind of woos mina throughout the film it, it it's it's not there like that in the book he he's it's more aggressive um she she doesn't she doesn't fall in love with him in the book mm-hmm. um to, you know she she she's kind of coerced into it because jonathan harker is kind of under threat of death so all this stuff the romance there and the 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 uh, reincarnation, M- Mina being this reuni- reincarnated version of Elizabetha uh, from the from his days in fighting for the Catholic Church, all that stuff is is made up for this film, and I feel that's kind of Coppola's way of of making a story about redemption, um, uh, uh, trying, try really trying to make this story about how love can be this redeeming quality and that and that it's Mina's kind of choosing to come to him on her own um and show show some caring towards him that kind of tames the beast so to speak so to speak you know it's it's the beauty and the beast angle kind of thing um yeah i, I mean i can kind of see that but and you can see in Oldman's performance that he's he's trying also hard to woo Mina. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to force himself into every aspect of her life and trying to be the be all end all for her. And it's probably down to Ryder's performance as well. You don't really feel that she is that infatuated with him. And like I said, that moment where he, he comes to her near the end and he turns her, she seems to have been pushing away the full time. 
and then it's like a complete 180. You don't have this kind of sense that she's been deliberating with herself or arguing with herself over should she, shouldn't she. It's just a, an instant 180 turn. Mm, and yeah. then they're separated and then she has this drive to get to him. Mm. And, and in the end, he's finally getting what he wants. She wants to be with him. Mm. And I don't understand why he just wants to die at that point. I mean... Well, is it, is it, is it because... I mean, his his neck has kind of been severed anyway, isn't it? Is is he uh, is he not good? It's a neck. It's a shaven neck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I I do buy the argument that Van Helsing would not let this go. I I, I can't see Van Helsing just saying, "All right, job's done, boys. Let's let's back off." Mm-hmm. I I would imagine him saying, "Screw what Mina thinks." I'm taking this guy down while we've got our chance. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that does seem a bit odd. Th- that's, that what feel, that's what I feel the ending should have been. You know, rather than yeah. them backing off, just, you know, like, going in straight to the hill, just finish it. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, could, I could buy it a bit more if, if that fight scene was a bit longer mm-hmm. and Dracula, whilst taking some hits, kind of took most of the people down. Yeah. Maybe not killing them all, but injuring them, and then it literally is left up to Mina to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, because it but... gets, it's, it's at, he's at his castle. He's got his uh, gypsy henchmen. It's the fight against the sunset. Obviously, it mm-hmm. sets, and then he breaks free, and you're thinking, well, they're kind of done for now. He's out. He's loose, and he's got his uh, other vampires there that can help him out. Yeah, but he seems to get taken down a bit too easily. I, I do think that is because of the story that Francis Ford Coppola decided he wanted to tell. I think here he's trying to tell a story about the redeeming power of love. Mm-hmm. You've got a man who's separated from God, he's separated himself from God, and it's the love of a woman that kind of, in a way, allows a way back for him at the end. Mm-hmm. And now, where. I'm not sure I can buy that he does mm-hmm. find that way back, given how much <laughs> how much pain and, and yeah, anguish he's caused over the years. Yeah, um, he's not a redeemable character. No, I, I don't. I I don't really think he's a redeemable character, and I I do think that it would have been much better to have, as we say, bigger fight scene at the end. Not just because I'm an action junkie, but because it would have made sense to to show how powerful he is, that these guys can't quite take him down and that in the end it's left up to Mina to do it and that she do- and she does it. Not because he not because she loves him and he's won her over, but because she chooses Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um that that for me would have been probably the better way to go. Um, Are we going to mention uh, Jonathan's grey hair? <laughs> <laughs> if you like, <laughs> Not, it's just shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, anything else you want to touch on, Brian? Uh, let me have a look through my notes. Um, <clears throat> I did, there is there is some lines of dialogue, and again, this comes down to. Winona Ryder's performance. One of one of the things that kind of made me notice 
uh, riders' performance, and and that's used. That's usually when I start to overanalyze and and think that actually this this isn't a good performance. When I notice that someone is giving a performance, that's when it becomes yeah. Mm. That's 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 not a good performance. If if, if I can see that you're acting, um, and there's there's bits when like. It sounds like it sounds like Ryder has been studying descriptive language 101 uh, when she's talking about Vlad's homeland though he, though he performs a nice trick with her tears um he kind of makes some diamonds so it's that scene when in London they you know they get together mm-hmm. and she, he, he he says a few things about his homeland and whatnot and then she starts She's yeah. She just comes out with this descriptive language hmm. of his homeland, and it, it it just it feels very mm, stagey See, and very I, wooden. I, I wasn't sure if I tried to instigate that this was in fact the reincarnation of Elizabeth. I I I think that's the the way they're trying to play it. I I think I I don't think they come down on either side. Hmm. Um, too strongly either way. I think they just they set that up as a notion that is very within this world is very plausible, um, is is definitely a possibility, but leaves it up to you, the audience member, to decide whether that's the way you want to go with it or not. As I don't believe in reincarnation, I don't want to go there. So I, I, I don't take it uh, as being that way. I, I just, I just think this guy's been around for so long, uh, looking for. For his his love, uh, or, or, or hoping that she will return, that you know, that sooner or later you're going to find someone who looks a spitting image of her. The music, mm-hmm. I really like some of the music. Uh, yeah. Some of it I don't. Um, basically, the music is really great during the intense intense action sequences. Yeah. So whenever there's some kind of horror stuff going on or there's the chase sequence on the on the cliff edge, the music is absolutely beautiful, I must say. Um and like I say, I do love that song by Annie Lennox in the in the end credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember listening to that quite a lot when I was younger. But yeah. where the music isn't so great uh-huh. is during the 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 romance scenes, the love scenes. It feels really kind of obvious, like the the the, the tones that are used, the instruments that are used, the way that they sound. It feels too obvious. Um, it doesn't quite, yeah. It's not on the same same level. I feel as when it's getting intense and and kind of action orientated. Um, so, so the movie won three Oscars. It was best right. costumes, uh, best makeup, and best sound editing. Oh, wow. Okay. I can't really. Argue. I don't really know what was else was up at that point, but um, you know it was it was nominated as well for production design, but it lost out on that one. Oh wow! Who did that? Who did it lose to? Um, do you know? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Right. Well. Well. Okay. Um, I, I had to be a good film. I've got to say to to be able to to best this in production design because I I love the production design. Yes, yeah, so I, I think it's, it's fantastic. I think the fact that it's sort in stages really helps it. And the, the, like the mental home as well. I love yeah. how, 
you see these guys with these cages on their heads and you think, wow, they're wackos, aren't they? And then you realise they're the guards and they actually have these cages on their heads to stop people, to stop the patients from biting them. Mm. Um, now, it does make more sense, I think, if you put those cages on the patients because... Mm-hmm. Obviously, that would stop them from biting people. Uh, But no, they put them on the guards, which is so bizarre. It's a very Tim Burton-esque, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Overall, I I was quite happy to revisit Dracula. It's a movie I think I'm going to check out pretty soon again because I think it's just visually very arresting. Um, I I love the theatricality about it. I love the costume design, production design. Uh, Most of the cast are terrific in this. We didn't mention all of them. Richard D. Grant, one of my favourites, is particularly good in this as well. And I find the movie to be really enjoyable and it's a shame that it doesn't get talked about as much anymore because I think it's very rich and very right for a conversation. I don't think the movie is 100% great. I think there is some definite dialogue issues. I think there are some things that I just struggle ever so slightly with to go over with and, and I found that Winona Ryder's performance was something that was lacking a little bit later on in the movie um, Yeah. overall I had a lot of fun with it, I'm going to check it out again, I'm going to watch it a lot I think uh, from now on uh, and I gave it 4 out of 5 yeah I I don't really have much more to say than that to be honest, I give it a 4 out of 5 as well I, watching it this time round it felt more in line with how I felt when I originally watched it because I really liked this when I originally watched it and I watched it quite a few times mm-hmm. um, I, I think the time when I watched it when I wasn't that into it was probably the time when I, I was kind of going off horror for a bit um, but yeah watching this now really liked it save, save for those few issues that we have talked about mm. I think it's a very strong in fact I'd go so far as to say one of the best vampire films you, that you're going to find out there yeah. um, I highly recommend it I give it a 4 out of 5 excellent so on to the top 5 of this episode now I chose um, top 5 Dracula performances in movies mm. um, and I have got my list here. I have got four, which I don't think you can argue with. And I have got one that I'm pretty sure you're going to have a hissy fit about. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because I'm exactly the same. I've got four that I don't think you can argue with. And I've got one that most people go, what? Mm. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, Is that uh, Leslie I, Nielsen then? <laughs> it, it's not, no. Um, but I... I'll say this, I, I put a list together on Letterboxd. If anybody wants to check out my Letterboxd account, just uh, go to Brian Lomax on Letterboxd, you will find me there. I've recently compiled a list of all the vampire films I've seen. Um, I've seen close to, uh, I think, 80 vampire films that I can remember. There's, I'm sure there's a few lurking around there somewhere that I've mm. missed off the list. Um but the ones I can remember, I've seen about 80 vampire films. And I've, I've, I've come to the conclusion that good vampire films are actually pretty hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot 
of terrible vampire films more more than the the, the, the good ones I've got to say um, and then when and when you when you narrow that down to just the character of Dracula mm-hmm. not e- not even talking vampires but Dracula himself then it gets into really dodgy territory there there aren't a, a right lot to be honest that are, that are just really good Dracula performances mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I, I was going to cheat at one point on this and I was actually going to put um, Daniel Plainview the character played by um, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood because that whole film they, 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 they built his character up on the notion, the idea that he is essentially like Dracula mm-hmm. and that they were the notes that Paul Thomas Anderson gave to to Lewis, and they they were what he used to to build that character. This this guy is someone who sucks the very blood of the earth, um, you know, and and he he has a very kind of Dracula like quality about him. But he isn't Dracula, so I couldn't choose him. But if I could, he would be my number one choice. Uh, but yeah, he isn't the actual character of Dracula, so okay. I couldn't go there. Okay, so who's going to go first on this one, Brian? Go on, I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. Uh, my number five choice um, is from 1978's Dracula, and that was performed by Frank Langella. Okay. Um, I really like Frank Langella, and when I put this one on to watch it, I was a bit unsure about how he was going to do in the part, but it's all down with the voice acting on him. He's got this really sultry voice that he uses to draw the women in in the movie. And uh, even though he's got that curly mop top of hair, <laughs> not the slick back <laughs> typical Dracula hair we're used to seeing, I thought it was a terrific performance, a real standout. Okay. I've got to confess, I've never actually seen that one. It's worth uh, checking out. Right, okay. Um <laughs> I I have seen Love at First Bite with <laughs> yeah with George Hamilton, um, but he's not in my list, so don't worry about that one. Um, so my number five, I decided to go with Bela Lugosi. So Dracula, nineteen thirty one, mm-hmm. obviously one of one of the first proper Dracula performances. Um, probably the first, really. Uh, I think there's another character that's going to be on my list, but um, whether you, whether you want to argue whether that is actually Dracula or not is up is up to you. So, uh, but yeah, Bella Lugosi um, kind of set the tone really for how Dracula would be portrayed from then on. Uh, when you think about the you know the the, the big collar, the the long black cloak, all that stuff, um, that that really does kind of come from that performance uh, so yeah so before we get to your character who may or may not be Dracula let's just jump on to my number four which um, is Klaus Kinski and the remake of Nosferatu mm. now I chose this over Max Schreck because I just like Kinski's uh, partnership with Herzog and um, I think it's seen in the, the movies that these guys have done together. This version of Nosferatu, I prefer a lot to the the, the, the first one that was out in the twenties. Um, Kinski has this very particular look about him, but then so does Shrek as well. And I think that the Nosferatu of uh, the seventies brings a lot more into 
the sort of world of Dracula as well. I think that's the first movie where Dracula kind of, or Nosferatu, whatever, turned into like or uh, rats and could control those kind of animals. You know, it was always bats mm. previously, I think, and then it started to put other yeah. things in this movie, which is why I've chosen this version of Dracula. And I do think Nosferatu kind of, it was always said that it was Dracula, but because they couldn't get the yeah. rights to it. Orlock. Yeah. Orlock. Yeah. Count Orlock. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, my number four, and this is the one that I feel like people are going to have a real problem with. <laughs> but like I say, I just, I mean, I like this actor and I kind of like what he did with the role, even though the film isn't that great. It's not terrible, mm-hmm. uh, but... Luke Evans from Dracula Untold. Uh, like I say, I I like Luke Evans. I think he does a pretty good job. I think he was let down by more by the film he was in rather than anything he brought to it. Um, and you know, as 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 trend setting as Bella Lugosi's performance is, let's be realistic. It, it it is dated, you know. You you can't honestly put that performance alongside something more modern and say, yeah, that that you know, Oscar worthy. It it just isn't, mm-hmm. you know. I I've got a lot of love for that Bella Lugosi performance. That's why it's in my number five. I think it deserves to be there. But yeah, let's be real about it. Um, Luke, yeah, Luke Evans. I I think did a pretty decent job with what is otherwise a. A good film, but not not a great film. Yeah, I, I watched Dracula Untold last year. Now, I, I kind of gave it a wide berth in the cinema because of these uh, vicious reviews that were mm. saying that it was just pretty rubbish. And I was really surprised when I watched it at home. I, I, I enjoyed it. I've watched it again since then, and I'll probably watch it more. It's a pretty decent yeah. movie, all in. Mm. I think it's a three-star film. Yeah, and I think I gave it three stars. I, yeah, I'd have liked to have seen... Because that was supposed to be the start of the new Universal Monsters mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, I was I would have been happy for that as a start. We've had worse starts to franchises, so... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. OK, my number three, and probably a big surprise, is Christopher Lee. Now, um, in no particular movie, but any Hammer movie you want, that he was in this Dracula. Yeah. Um, I watched okay. them all, I think it was about two years ago, and there's some not so great, and there's some that are pretty good. <laughs> but the, it's an understatement. Yeah, but, but the best part of them is always Christopher Lee, and his yeah. performance as Dracula was defining to the man. You know, it, you ask people, Dracula, you know, they're going to give you like Bela Lugosi, you may get Max Shrek, you're definitely going to get Christopher Lee. He is synonymous mm. with that character. And there's been yeah. loads of people playing them. And I think he just, you know, I, I, I grew up watching a lot of Hammer horror movies myself, much like yourself, Brian. So Christopher Lee, for me, for the longest time, was Dracula. And whenever yeah. I think of him in my head, it's that kind of visage that pops in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, my number three, then, is Max Shrek Nosferatu. Count Orlock, but let's face it, He's clearly playing Count Dracula. Yeah. Um, I, I, confession, I've never actually seen Nosferatu or the remake um, all the way through, mm-hmm. but I've seen enough clips and footage on YouTube and, and places 
to really appreciate that performance and what they did with a silent film mm. uh, with with a with a physical presence um and i i just i i think max shrek's body type this kind of long slender tall guy um is much better suited to the to the character i think than what klaus kinski was when i when i see klaus kinski's version i i feel he's he looks a bit more like Shrek, the animated character, <laughs> rather than rather than Max Shrek. Um, I, you know, like I say, I've not seen either film all the way through, so I can't make a true judgment. But mm-hmm. based on what I've seen, um, and I've seen a, a lot more clips of the Max Shrek version, just seeing a few clips of that, it's still creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see a few, just a few moments from it. There's still something about that performance that kind of creeps you out. I mean, they did that film a few years back, Shadow of the Vampire. Really? With Will, Will, yeah, Willem Dafoe playing Max Shrek. And they did it as though the actor Max Shrek wasn't <laughs> acting, that yeah. he was actually a vampire. And you look at the you look at some of the stuff from that film, you look at some of these scenes, and you can kind of believe it. You can understand where the idea for that film came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it has such an impression I think. So, yeah, de- definitely Max Shrek. I'll go with number three. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, do you want to go on your high horse before I say this one or, or after it, Brian? <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one's going to just piss you off. Um, but my number two is Duncan Rager from the Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, any comment before I start? <clears throat> well, before we did our top five, I had an honourable mentions list. He was in there. Um, now, I, 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 as you know, and as if, if, any, if, if any of our listeners um, have, have listened back to some of our other podcasts, we talked in le- at length, I think, about the Mon- Monster Squad. Um, I had a lot of love for that film as a child. Um, and th- that love isn't there anymore. But it's not really down to the actors. It's not really down to the performances. It's down to that script. That script is just so full of holes. And it's like they don't care because they're like, we're marketing it, this at kids. Kids aren't going to care. They're not even going to notice. And the, the thing about that is they were right. Because as a kid, I didn't notice. I loved that film. Um, but it just doesn't work for me now. But that being said, you know, that performance of Dracula in the film did have an impression on me as a, when I was younger. Not enough for me to put it in a top five, but yeah, honourable mention, I'll give you. But number two, you, <laughs> must, you must be... Over Christopher Lee, I might add. Yep, yep. You, you've been smoking the wacky-backy, Don't be say. scary, German guy here, Brian. Now, the reason I picked this performance is because... Yes, I love The Monster Squad. I think it's a terrific movie that holds up just as well today as it did back when I watched it when I, when I was a youngster. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you, know, you know I'm editing this, don't you? Uh, Say whatever you want. I'm glad you agree on that, Brian. Now, um, I like his physicality of his performance. It seems... It's probably because the way it was shot and it's against kids, but he seems really tall and powerful. He seems kind of muscular as well. He's really slicked back. He's got that kind of 
cheekbone and jawline it's, it was unlike any other kind of vampires I'd seen before he just seemed to have a physical presence about him um, even when he's like just picking up the kids by the scruff of the neck and he's screaming at them and it's kind of the lightning and the skull and all that he just looks terrifying I just like that image of, of, of Dracula and it could have been that I watched this movie when I was fairly young and this was an image that was say, driven into me very early on and that's why it's probably as prominent on my list because I've seen Monster Squad before I saw Hammer Horror movies um, which is probably why it's, it's so ingrained in myself but I just thought he was physically an imposing figure and a very good Dracula Okay Number two Christopher Lee um, and I actually had the pleasure of seeing his first Dracula film um, in cinemas because they had a re-release a few years back mm. and a friend of mine is really big into Hammer Horror I went with him and we watched Dracula at the cinema and it was quite a good experience I must say um, and Christopher Lee definitely is a big part of why that film works um, and, and I, I, I really do think the character of Dracula looks to me better when he's played by a really tall guy I just think having that kind of tall, slender figure that can kind of lurch over things, um, it, it just works for me, for that character. You know, I think about Max Schreck and I think about Christopher Lee. He's very, he was a very tall dude. Um, but it just, yeah, it works. He had a great frame for it, a uh, really good body type and a lot of menace. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I like that that original Dracula film of his um, you know he, he did a few good sequels I think Prince of Darkness was one of the, the better sequels from from the bunch mm -hmm. um, but then it got to a point where he he hated the the script so much that he refused to refused to even speak any lines of dialogue and I, I know that in, in one of the films uh, he, he doesn't say anything and that's right. because he he literally said look I ain't speaking any I'll be in, I'll be in it but I'm not saying any any anything in it. Um, so they had to write his character with no dialogue. Um, you know, I think by that point the character had just become a bit of a noose around his neck. Mm -hmm. But certainly in those first couple of films, really great performance as Dracula. Um, left an impression in me certainly, as we've already mentioned, because uh, because we like, we both used to watch these films as kids. So. Okay, my number one, which should be fairly obvious, is going to be Gary Oldman yeah, and Dracula because, like we said in the review, he gets to play so he like, various versions of this character and all of them are fairly different. He seems to be having a lot of fun and glee. He gets to have all the heavy makeup. He gets to be subdued. He gets to be romantic. He gets to be vicious. He gets to be gleeful. He gets to do all these various things that I can't think of any other Dracula being able to do and he does it with such aplomb that you just... Yeah. He, he takes control of that screen whenever he's on it, and I think he's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out that, I mean, 
for the record, my number one is Gary Oldman as well. <laughs> um, but it's worth pointing out that some of those scenes, and particularly the ones we mentioned before when he does that laugh mm-hmm. and you're looking at his facial reactions, he's on a, under a ton of makeup in that, mm-hmm. you know? So the fact that he's able to project something out of that as well is, is quite impressive. Um, but, yeah, for me as well, it's just the fact that he's a fully rounded character. You look at a lot of the interpretations of Dracula, he's simply there to be the villain. He, you know, he's, he, he comes in, he's quite menacing, he has a bit of charm, but he's not really a fully-fledged character in, in any true sense of the word, whereas here, he is the main character. He is essentially both hero and villain. Um, he's, he's kind of the one we're following from the start, you know? Uh and I, I just think that Gary Oldman nails all those different aspects to the character. So, yeah, great performance by a great actor in what is a pretty decent film. Next episode, Brian, it's your choice. Have you, mm. have you picked something yes. wonderful for us? <clears throat> I have, yes. Um, I want to stick with the vampire theme, actually. Okay. Uh, Monster Squad? <laughs> no. Uh, so... <laughs> Simply because this is a this is a film I have seen only once, and I bought it on DVD. It was my favourite film of that year when it came out, which is really bizarre that I've only seen it once. You know, um, so it it really is about time I got my bumming gear and watched it again. And that film is let the let the right one in. So not not the remake, mm-hmm. not the American remake, but the original. Um, I, I'd like to see that again I'd like to review it um, so yeah, let the right one in uh, in my mind I mean obviously I've only seen it the once, it, what it was it did make quite an impression on me when I saw it that first time, for me it's quite possibly my uh, the, the, I'd say the best vampire film of all time um, but better, I'm not sure I can make better than the Monster Squad Better than the Monster Squad, without doubt. Um, wow. Yeah, right, okay. but the, the the top five that I've chosen for next week is top five horror movies not in the English language. Oh, that's difficult. Wow, there's a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll need to put my okay. thinking cap on for that one, Brian. <laughs> Excellent. So, Brian, what, what kind of reviews have you been putting up recently? What have you been checking out? Well, yeah, if, if you visit my channel, Brian Lomax Movie Talk, over on YouTube, you can find the latest reviews I've been doing. I've been doing the whole Halloween series. Uh, I'm halfway through that at the moment. And I've also done the first two Species movies. I do intend on reviewing three and four. <laughs> Might take a while for me to get to them, just because I'm, I'm, I've got to say I'm not excited about watching them. But, I, you know, I've done the first two, so I may as well do... I may as well do three and four. But, yeah, the, the main thing has been those Halloween movies that I've been doing. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what you can find on my channel at the moment. Uh, what about you? What what reviews have you been putting out? Um, I've, I've got a lot of Netflix originals on at the moment. There's some good ones that I really enjoyed, like The, the Young Offenders, uh, The Most Hated Women in America. There, there are a couple that I really enjoyed. But one that I particularly liked was Soul Station um, that i recently seen, and that is a prequel to Train to Buzon, a zombie flick that I saw last year that I really quite enjoyed. 
So I've got that one there. And I've got also got some reviews of alternative movies that came out in the past couple of years that probably didn't get the limelight that they deserved. And I'm talking particularly of Gods of, of Egypt, a movie that <laughs> I was expecting terrible things for, and I found myself to enjoy it more than quite a bit. In fact, I can't wait to watch it again. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I mean, there's price. daily content up on the Man V Film YouTube channel. So if anybody wants to pop over there, check it out, subscribe, hit me up with a comment. It'd be very much appreciated. Likewise as well, if you if you are a regular listener to this podcast or if this is the first time you've listened and you like what you've heard, please, please, please go over to iTunes. Just take two minutes out of your day to give us a rating and a review because they really... Do help. They they help us to get bumped up in the in the searches when people are searching for podcasts. Um, so yeah, quick rating, quick review. You would you would be in our good books for the rest of time. Yeah, and as always, if you want to visit our social media platforms, the links are in, in the comment box below, along with time tracks and any other necessary information that we have to pass along. So we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode, and we will see you next month when we are reviewing. Let the right one in. Thanks for listening. <coughs> Hello and welcome back to Brits on Flicks, your movie monthly movie. <laughs> I should really not try and wing this, should I? <laughs> We're not even out the gate. <laughs> it's excellent. Get the outtake straight away. We're good. <laughs> <laughs>